As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You want to understand yourself. Why do I do the things that I do? Why do I not do the things that I yeah. want to do? What's what's wrong with me? Like that's, that's yeah. what I think about myself. Like, what is this? Why am I why am I sabotaging myself? But when you can start to see what's happening, then that's the, what gives you all the power over it. Yeah. Welcome to Cultivating the Lovely. I'm your host, Mackenzie Coppa. You can find out more about the podcast at cultivatingthelovely.com in our Yellow Brick Road membership community at patreon.com slash cultivatingthelovely and in our Facebook group. I would also love to connect with you on Instagram where you can find me at Mackenzie Coppa. That's M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E-K-O-P-P-A. Ladies, today on the show, I have a super inspirational three on the Enneagram like myself who is doing amazing things and has a great new book out all about facing your fears. And it's Ruth Sukup. I have never got to talk with Ruth before, but I had such a great conversation. In fact, we went a little bit long, but I think it was a really fun show and I hope that you guys really enjoy it today. So I'm going to try to keep this intro pretty short because we do have so much packed into this episode, but I do want to mention that if you come over and join us on patreon.com slash cultivating the lovely, then you can actually get our weekly episodes a little bit early and ad free, which is pretty great. So if you come over there and join us, you can find out what all of our different joining levels have to offer, and we would love to have you become a part of our Patreon community. Also, if you want to be leaving those ratings and reviews in iTunes, it makes such a difference, and I really appreciate all of you who do so. All right, let's keep it short and sweet and jump in with Ruth. Welcome, Ruth. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. I am so excited to have you. I mean, obviously, I had heard your name lots before, but then when I heard the topic of your new book, I thought, oh, um, yes, I would like to have her on the show. That sounds like a perfect fit right now. So I am so excited to have you here. But before we dive into all of that, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, well, my name is Ruth Sukup, and I am the founder of my company, Ruth Sukup Omnimedia. And we do a lot of things while well, we provide practical tools to help people in the home and in business in order to help people create a life they love. So it's really all about partnering practical steps and practical steps that you can take and practical tools that you can use with the motivation to use them in order to help people move past fear and really 
create the life that they've always dreamed of. So there's lots of, lots of different facets of, of that, that I do do in my yeah. company. It's sort of expanded into many different areas. We've got living well, spending less, which is really about lifestyle and then elite blog Academy, which is more for online business owners. And then the living well planner, which is all about productivity. And um, now my newest project is do it scared. I love it. You got a lot of irons in the fire, but that's super fun. I, yeah. I, I get inspired by, by ladies <laughs> like you. So then, then I walk away going like, Oh, I need to do all these things. I'm like, yeah, down. I know. <laughs> sometimes I have to tell myself to simmer down too. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, Oh my goodness, there's so many things, but I, I do love them all. And it has, it certainly didn't happen all at once. It's sort of grown, oh, yeah. grown organically. And as people ask questions about certain areas, then that piques my interest and, and yeah. That, and it just, you kind of just try to serve people. And that's that the, this so far is the result. I love that. That is so great that it's just, that it has been able to happen organically that you haven't had to, I mean, I'm sure there's like you talk about having stretching goals and like, it's, it's not always comfortable, but the fact that it, it like has just grown over time to where it is, that's really inspiring. Yeah. Cause I think sometimes people look at like, look at everything she's doing. I need to do all of that right now. <laughs> I know. I know people do, people do see that. And I mean, I te- one of the things that I do is teach online business owners how to create successful, profitable online businesses. So sometimes I have to say like, don't look at everything I'm doing right now and think that's where you're supposed to be. Like it didn't yeah. start out this way. It's, it happens, things happen and grow over time. And if you try to do too much all at once, you're going to end up shooting yourself in the foot, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's not going to work that way. And, and on like, also like learn from my mistakes because I've made plenty of them. And what I'm teaching you is not, is not always how to do it exactly the way I did it because yeah. it wasn't necessarily the best way. Now I can look back in hindsight and figure out a faster, easier way to do some of the things I've done. So that's awesome. do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And and this new thing that you're doing, I think so applies to all of that because a lot of people probably look at everything you're doing and think, well, I never could do that. Or, yeah. you know, the, I think a lot of us in whether they're in big ways or in small ways, we deal with fear in our everyday lives. You know, this is a totally ridiculous example because I have a lot of bigger examples in my life, as all of my listeners <laughs> could attest to over the past year and a half of things that I have done scared. Um, but there was recently something very silly that just really stood out for me. Okay, so bear with me here. But <laughs> my kids had an 80s dance at their school. So, I mean, they're in elementary school. <laughs> so this is not like, you know, a high school dance or something. But still, my oldest is 13. And I, at first, like I knew we were going to go to the dance. I knew he wanted to go to the dance, but I, I wasn't, I knew they were having also a, a dress up contest, <laughs> but I thought, you know, no, I don't, I don't know if I want to do it. And then a mom friend of mine was like, you're going to dress up, aren't you? And I was like, well, I wasn't really planning on it. She's like, no, you have to dress up. <laughs> and so at that point it was like, okay, I either commit and I go all in or I don't do it at all. And I opted for the all in option. <laughs> and so I fully dressed 80s, like flash dance, the movie, like did the big hair, had the costume, had the 
neon pink high heels, like the sweater off the shoulder, like the makeup, <laughs> the, the headband, like everything. That's and, awesome. Yeah. And there was that moment of panic <laughs> as I was getting out of the car and looking at all the parents streaming into the building and thinking, I am the only parent here <laughs> who did this. And when I got in there, there were a handful of us. There were maybe five moms, no dads. <laughs> who had actually dressed Who up. had actually done it. And then, But once I was in there, I thought, but you know what? All of these moms who didn't do it really probably wish that they did. Mm-hmm. They, they wish they had the gumption to do that. And what, the same reason I almost didn't, it's like, you're thinking like, what are other people going to think of me? And what if I look like a fool? And you know, what, whatever it is. But then when you do it, it's so much fun. And the right. funny, and you have more fun than the person who doubted themselves and didn't yes. do it. And yeah, I, walked, totally. yeah, I walked away from that night telling that to my kids. Cause it was also kind of my personal mission then to embarrass my 13 year old, because that's what <laughs> any good mom of a teenager does, you know? <laughs> So true. I got out there and I danced and I danced with him and like not, he was not super jazzed about that, but man, (laughs) I, I made it into the yearbook. So I I felt like I won (laughs) that evening. And when I got in the car, I was like, you guys, you, you will remember this. Like if I hadn't dressed up, you would not have remembered. (laughs) But because of that, like we made some serious memories here tonight and like, it was so worth it. And be that person, be that person who does stuff scared because you will have more fun and you will enjoy your life more if you just do it, just do it. And it was just this little silly thing, but I felt like I could teach my kids this great lesson (laughs) that night. So that's awesome. Yeah. So true. That's exactly what doing it scared is all about. And I want to hear, so what brought you, like you talk about in your introduction to the book, like you have a lot of fears like anybody else, you know, but what, what made you want to dive into figuring out this fear thing? Well, you know, it's, I've dealt with a lot of fear through all through my adult life. I, and I talk about this in the book when I was in my early twenties, I went through a really bad depression. That was about two and a half years that that a really, really serious. I had multiple suicide attempts and um, in and out of hospitals and pretty much got to the point where I was 24 years old and I felt like I had ruined my entire life Mm -hmm. and had to figure out how to come back from that. And it was terrifying. And then when I started my business many years later in 2010, um, it was sort of the same thing. Every step of the way was completely terrifying. I had no idea what I was doing. And I felt like I was, I still feel this way a lot of times, like I'm making it up as I go along. And so I, but then what got me really interested in this, because my motto has always been do it scared ever since my early twenties, ever since that depression, it's been do it scared, do it scared, do it scared, just take another step, take another step. And, um, so when I started my company, that became the first of our core values was do it scared. And, and then, but then it was something that I would sort of talk about every now and then, you know, I'd write a blog post or an email and I would mention that phrase, do it scared. And I started noticing a lot of people like embracing that in my communities and saying, Oh, Ruth says, do it scared. I got to do it scared. And so that was one, like one thing where I was like, Oh, maybe it's not just me. Maybe other people need this too. But the thing that really got me was I started hearing from more and more people 
and who would say things like, you know, I just feel like I am sitting on the sidelines of my life. I'm so afraid to jump in and go after my goals and dreams wholeheartedly. I hear you talking about big goals and dreams and, you know, have these big goals for yourself, but I don't even know what those big goals are. I just want, I just want to want something. I've taken care of everybody else my whole life. I just, I don't know how to do it. I'm so afraid. Yeah. And it wasn't just one person. It was many people. It kept coming up over and over and over again. And it got me so curious about fear, especially because my audience is primarily women. You know, it's mm-hmm. about 90, 90% women probably. And I, it was like, what is this? What is this fear that's holding us back does it look the same for everyone? And more, most importantly, what can we do about it? Is there a way? Because there are people who are out there crushing it. So what's the difference? Why are some people pushing past their fear and some people not? And I just, it got me so curious. So I started asking a lot of questions and started sending out surveys. And ultimately we ended up surveying more than 4,000 people about this, which was insane. And I never really intended it for to be this big giant research project, but that's sort of what it ended up to be. It was so much data that we had to hire a whole team of researchers and psychologists to help go through the data and make sense of it all. But at the end of it all, what we found was so fascinating. And that was that fear really looks different for everyone. It's not like the way you experience fear and the way I experience fear is not the same. We each have our own unique fear fingerprint, but there are sort of seven very common patterns that emerged from all of this. Seven, when we call these the seven fear archetypes. And so what happens is the way that those archetypes combine for you, each of us has one or two, sometimes three that are most prevalent in our lives. And the way that those combine is what creates sort of your unique fear fingerprint. And so the way that you experience fear looks very different than the way other people experience fear. And yet, because so much of it happens completely subconsciously, we don't even realize it or recognize it as fear sometimes. We just experience it as truth. And the reason that it's so important to, to understand the way, the unique way that fear is manifesting itself in your life is because it's sort of like when you go to the doctor and you say, I don't feel good. And the doctor has to first diagnose you before he can cure you. And the fear works the same way. Once, as soon as you can make the diagnosis and actually see those patterns and recognize it for what it is, that's when you can start to do something about it. And it's really, it's been really cool to see this play out because I've been doing this, um, working on this research and this, um, the fear archetypes for, oh gosh, over two years now. Wow. And so we've had I think over 10,000 people take the fear assessment now and identify their fear archetypes. It's just the the insight that people are getting into themselves and how the impact that that's already made. It gets me just so fired up because it's, there's, there's something really powerful and I've, and I've seen it happen in my own life too. There's just something really powerful at all of a sudden understanding, oh my gosh, I'm not crazy. There's not something wrong with me. This is just my fear talking. And now I can, now that I can see that's just my fear, I can actually do something about it. Yeah. And I think you're hitting at the perfect time for something like that. I mean, I think in the last few years, especially, you know, you hear more first kind of, it was the Myers-Briggs. There was a lot of people and now it's like Enneagram and a lot of Gretchen Rubin's different, like a lot of people are ready to to figure out some of those core motivators for themselves to be able to overcome 
places that they're stuck in their lives. And I think that this is another one of those tools that people can use, something that really hasn't been addressed in other places as much is that fear component and how that can be holding you back in your life. Oh, it's so true. And all, I love all of those. I've never met an assessment that I didn't like, but I, yeah. think, and I think that's how most people are. You know, you, you want to understand yourself. Why do I do the things that I do? Why do I not do the things that I yeah. want to do? What's, what's wrong with me? Like, that's yeah. what I think about myself. Like, what is this? Why am I, why am I sabotaging myself? But when you can start to see what's happening, then that's the, what gives you all the power over it. Yeah. Ladies, in my house for skincare, we love BioClarity. It's a clean and green skincare brand that has products that just work. What healthy eating does for your body, BioClarity does for your face. Their skincare line offers easy-to-use regimens with good-for-you ingredients that will give you great skin. Personally, I love the essentials routine that I use for myself, but I want to tell you a little bit about the clear skin routine that my 13-year-old son has been using. It comes with everything you need to get clear, glowing skin. It's a three-step regimen that gets rid of breakouts, clears and calms skin, and is packed full of detoxifying nutrients. It's also antioxidant and includes a super special ingredient only in BioClarity. Floralux from plants. It's absolutely more than just a cleanser. It will give you clear and radiant skin without over drying. It also helps with redness, hyperpigmentation, and evening out skin tone and texture. The three steps are cleanse, treat, and restore, which is perfect for my son who doesn't want to have to spend a ton of time dealing with his skincare. It's very clearly laid out for him. He knows exactly what he has to do, and he's able to do it every night without really much challenge for me because it's so easy for him to do. He actually says, hey, where's my zit cream? And so he really knows that these products work, and he loves them. They help take care of those teenage breakouts you can be a little self-conscious about, and it's just been such a great system for him. Their products are 100% vegan, cruelty-free, paraben-free, sulfate-free, and artificial fragrance-free. I love that, especially having my kids use it. And there's a 100% risk-free money-back guarantee. Get healthier, more radiant skin by going to bioclarity.com. And right now, for my listeners, you will save 40% on skincare routines, plus an additional 15% off everything on their website. That's an incredible deal. But you need to enter my code LOVELY at checkout. So go to bioclarity.com and get 40% off skincare routines, plus an additional 15% off everything on their website when you use my code LOVELY at checkout. I know I felt that way even about Myers-Briggs um, and to a certain extent the Enneagram when I thought like, oh, these are, they're pointing out my shortcomings, like, oh, I feel so exposed. But then it's so much more powerful when you can recognize what those things are because then you can see them coming and you can make the adjustments that you need to in your life to overcome them. Yes, exactly. So I thought it was interesting too because you talk about with this archetyping system that it can actually change throughout your life kind of based on your circumstances, which I think is different than just a standard personality assessment. So can you speak to that a little bit more? Yeah, I really do think that your, I think it's sort of a combination of your innate personality and the circumstances that you've either been in, whether you've, you know, it can be impacted, whether you've recently been through a hardship or a trauma, and that can have you kind of stuck more in, more in a place of fear than Mm -hmm. you normally would be. Or if, you know, you've 
it just, just different things can impact that. Also the way that you were brought up or your family situation that all plays, plays into it. But I think that you can also, you can also change things for yourself. That's, and that's what's so important about identifying. Yeah. Identifying those things is because then you can, because the way that the, the way that we score the fear assessment and this was like so much research and science goes into oh, I bet. an assessment like this. It's, it's actually crazy. So it's 49 questions. And the reason why it's that many questions is because in order for it to be a scientifically valid answer, you have to ask the questions a certain number of times and you have to ask questions in, you know, in both the positive and negative, And you have to make sure that there's no um, bias in any of the way that the questions are asked so that they're completely neutral. So we had, you know, we had to have psychologists go through it and people who are like experts at asking, at doing these kind of assessments help refine everything. And then the way that the scoring happens, it's very, it's very nuanced also. So we all have, we all have a little bit of all seven of the fear archetypes in us. And, but for most people, um, there's usually one or sometimes two, sometimes three. I've even seen someone, someone who scored high on six of the seven, wow. um, but they're all, it's all in a like sliding scale from one to a hundred. So if you score, you know, if you're in the 90th percentile on, on something, your top one is 90%. That is probably affecting you way more than someone who's top your archetype is only 60%. Mm. So it's, there's a, like a lot that goes into even how it's, how it's scored. It's possible that you could score in the 30% for all of them. And it's, and if that's the case, then, then fear is probably not impacting your life quite as strongly as it is for somebody who's scoring really high in mm. one or two or three categories. Yeah, that's interesting. And so I, I did go and look at it and I took it and I think I need to retake it, but <laughs> What was your what was your archetype? Um, it said excuses, but it said like not prone to want to take leadership and that sort of thing. I was like, that is not me. And so I think, but I also, and I know this about myself, when I'm take I like I don't like to give extremes about things. Mm-hmm. So I tend to answer more like middle of the road, like for question after question after question after question. Yeah. So I can see how that would throw it off. But I thought it was a really interesting test and it was like going in, I didn't realize how long it would be. Not like it took me forever or something, but (laughs) I just, I was like, oh, it is, it's thorough. Like it it definitely went over a lot. And so can you tell people again, obviously we'll have this in the show notes, but where can they find that assessment? Yeah. You can just find it on our website at doitscare.com. The actual URL or the direct URL is assessment.doitscared.com, but oh, okay. you'll, there's a link to it on the, on the homepage. Yeah. I think I Googled like do it scared assessment and it, <laughs> so yeah. yeah, yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. And we have, you probably, so did you just do the free version of the assessment? Yes, just I your did. top one? Yeah. yeah. I would really recommend doing the premium, the premium mm-hmm. version because that one gives you your top three and, oh. um, and shows you how those three, like gives you insight on how those three actually work together and what happens like if you're a procrastinator and people pleaser at the same time and how those interact and interplay. And then the other thing that it, the full assessment does is it shows you how you scored on all of them, like what your percentage was for all of them. So it gives you way more. Yeah. Detail. Yeah. Oh, that is interesting. I, I love to get like that more in-depth information. It's so interesting to see how they all play together. And like you said, the percentages and everything, that would be really insightful. 
obviously reading the book, like you have a chapter on each of the fear archetypes. Yes. Yeah. There is a chapter on each one and it really goes into detail on, you know, because we did so much research with this and and interviewed so many people and we're asking so many questions. We, you know, we, we actually give quotes of things that people say, like some of the common comments that would come through and each chapter has like a little story about someone who has that fear archetype. And Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a composite. Those aren't actually there. None of them are based on (laughs) one person. They're a composite of a lot of the stories that came through, but I think it really helps. It helps it sort of come alive because people are sometimes surprised when they get the results. And the other thing is, it's really interesting with this is that it's sometimes a little bit hard to take because they're all negative sounding. So you're like, no, that's not me. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and that's, and that's natural because they, none of them sound great, but yeah. at the same time, they all do have positive qualities. So the book talks about both the positive and the negative qualities and talks about some ways that that particular archetype might be holding you back and affecting your life or impacting your life and sort of gives you the, and the rundown. And then also talks about some specific things you can do with each archetype to start combating that in your life or to start counteracting it. That's awesome. Those, those practical tools to make it work. And, and like you were saying, the stories, I think those can be so key to even like validating like, oh, that is the type that I am. I mean, I know I found that even when trying to figure out my Enneagram number, because I know that is something people largely struggle with. And they say like, you can't even really test it. or trust the test and that sort of thing. But I don't know if you've ever heard of sleeping at last. Have you heard? Okay. So it's this guy and he puts his music on YouTube and he's written a song for each of the Enneagram numbers. And yeah. And he has it like the guest artists that he brings in to solo on the song have to be that type. And like he does, he has like, he matches the muse, like the, the rhythm of the music to the kind of rhythm that that type has. I mean, like it's crazy amount of research. Like he put, he has the types like he has people submit random sounds from their lives and then somehow weaves them into the music. Like it's, he has, cause he also has a podcast and he has an episode on each of the songs, like an hour on how he developed each song. Oh my and gosh. It's so interesting. But a friend of mine, when I was kind of trying to figure out like, what type am I? She said, okay, like narrow it down to a couple of types and then go listen to these songs and whichever one just totally resonates with you that is probably the type that you are. That's and, you know, I listened to a couple of them. I was like, oh yeah, okay. And then the one that within five seconds, I was like, had tears streaming down my face. I was like, okay, well, <laughs> I guess that's it. But it's something about like the story and the personalization of it that takes it from just like the blatant facts of this is what this type is, you know, to, yeah. to actually giving it like the feeling behind it and the meaning and you you can resonate with it differently. And it sounds like that's kind of what you've done in your book, like having those stories helps. I feel like an underachiever now if I didn't write oh. <laughs> for each of the archetypes. Get it together, Ruth. That's my next, maybe that's my next project. I'm not a songwriter, so I guess uh. I don't have to worry about that. But I know yeah. a songwriter. I'm going to have to go on that. Yeah. No, that's, that's really interesting. So what is your Enneagram number? I'm curious now. I'm a three. A three. I'm a three yeah. too. Ah, well, there you yeah. go. I actually kind of wondered when I was reading some of this, I was like, hmm, this sounds kind of similar. Yeah, I know. People, pr- pretty much every time, and I feel like, uh, do you live in Nashville? Because I feel like the Enneagram is basically everyone in Nashville. <laughs> is a, 
with it. So. I do not live in Nashville, but I have friends that live in Nashville. Oh, so you have the connection. You're yes. like one degree of separation yes, from the exactly. Enneagram Central. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm, I just, I have, well, my, my friend Crystal Payne, she really like got me into it and stuff um, a year and a half ago or so. But then she was like, like, wait until your life settles down a little bit. And I did. And then I was able to figure it out. But yeah, my, you're going to have to go listen to these songs now because they're, you, you'll listen to the three and you'll cry and then you'll be like, oh my <laughs> gosh, you were right. Holy cow. That was so powerful. Okay. I'm going yeah, to do it. Gonna do it. <laughs> so obviously, I mean, fear holds us back from making like the big changes that we want or need to make in our lives. I don't know anything about that, you know, like staying in a 14 year marriage that was abusive or anything like that. But it also, like I shared with this stupid story about the 80s dance, like it holds us back from those little everyday things that just make our lives lovelier and more enjoyable to live. So I would love to hear from you, like some of those little things that you have either you haven't overcome in the past or you have overcome to just make your everyday life better by not living in that fear? That's a good question. So, <laughs> um, I mean, I would say like for me, one of the things that's happened most recently and I, is that in just really as a result of, of doing this work and diving into like diving into these different fears and also seeing how it's impacting me because I kind of thought I had gotten to a point where I was like, I, I don't feel like I have a ton of fear. I've been really good at doing it scared. Like this has been my motto for a long time. I must be fearless. And what my fear archetype is, is the outcast. And See, that's what outcast. I think I am. That's what I think I am. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. It's possible. Yeah. It's possible. It sounds like it, it could definitely be. And because the outcast fears rejection most yeah. of all. And so the way that that often works, that, so it's the most ironic of the seven fear archetypes because it's the one that to the outside people, you appear to be more fearless. It seems mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, this yeah. person's just out there doing it. They don't need anybody. They are, but really what that is, it's a protection mechanism. And uh, the like natural instinct for me is to reject people before I can be rejected in return. Yeah. And so, and you know, it's really true because I like, and I experience rejection so like it's so devastating for me that it really and and there's definitely been some parts of my of my life like both my personal life and my business life where there have been times where I have legitimately been rejected and so the way that I've responded to that is like okay I don't need anybody I see other bloggers doing collaboration or going and doing things together or won't ask for help and for in anything that I do because what if somebody would say no, like that would devastate me. Yeah. And, and so over the past couple of years, like it's really become clear to me, like, oh my gosh, this is something that's really holding me back. And one of the things that's helped a lot for me is having some great friends that have called me out on it. Ladies, you've heard me mention before on this show the importance of natural products, I think especially when it comes to our skincare, because most people don't realize what is in the products that they're putting on their skin. For instance, most deodorants we use every day contain aluminum, parabens, and other harmful products that have been proven to link to cancer. Hug Me Deodorant by Bloom is all natural, safe, and sustainable, and it works. Bloom cares about what we put into our bodies, and we should care too. So how does it work? 
Hug Me Deodorant by Bloom, that's B-L-U-M-E, is made with probiotics. The probiotics encourage your body to make more good bacteria, and as a result, your body produces less bad bacteria, so B.O. doesn't exist. Hug Me is a natural deodorant that actually works. It lasts for 24 hours and doesn't have to be reapplied throughout the day. Those mainstream antiperspirants that contain aluminum get absorbed straight into our bloodstream and, like I mentioned, have been linked to cancer. Hug Me deodorant is safe and sustainable. They don't even add fragrances. They're vegan and cruelty-free, and they leave you with no smell, no sweat stains. They don't just mask the odor. It's rated the best deodorant ever by the New York Post. And you can try Hug Me risk-free. There's a 30-day satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. This is a product that lives up to its hype, so check out Bloom's website, meetbloom.com, to read verified five-star customer reviews. And check out Bloom for other safe, sustainable self-care products. Hug Me by Bloom keeps you feeling good, feeling fresh, and super huggable. Right now, our listeners will get 25% off their first stick and free shipping when you text CULTIVATE to 797979. This is a special offer you can't get anywhere else, and you support Cultivating the Lovely when you support our sponsors. So text CULTIVATE to 797979 and get 25% off your first stick of Hug Me deodorant. If you don't love it, return it for a full refund, no questions asked. Text C-U-L-T-I-V-A-T-E to 797979. A couple months ago, I was I have a, a small mastermind, a peer mastermind that's three friends and myself. And we were meeting and we were talking specifically about one of one of my friends. Um, I've talked about her before, Susie Moore. She's, you know, a media expert. She does all sorts of freelance writing and she teaches teaches a um, course called five minutes to famous, which is amazing. Cool. And, um, it's all about publicity and how to get more publicity. And so she, we were asking her some questions about publicity and, and she was talking about that. And I, you know, I was instantly on guard because it was like, Oh no, I don't have time to do this. And I had like, I had the best excuses because I, you know, every, any, that, I could say, no, it's not a good ROI. It's not a good use of my time. I don't, you know, it's not, I don't see the results from doing this kind of stuff, but really what it was for me was fear, the fear of reaching out to people, the fear of pitching myself, the fear of asking anyone for help. And they, and she laid into me like nobody's business, actually all three of them. I mean, there was yelling and, um, I was like standing up and close to the door. My arms were crossed. Like I kept getting closer and closer to the door and it was very tense. But ultimately what she said to me is you are making this too hard. You are, you are standing in your own way and it is your fear. It is your outcast archetype. Cause they've been, they've been part of this yeah. process for a long time. So they've known about all this like calling you time. out <laughs> and they did. And they challenged me so hard. They said, you need to get over this and you need to spend the next 24 hours pitching 20 people who are most likely going to reject you. And they're like, we don't even trust you to make the list. We're going to make the list. Oh. For you. And they did. They made a list of like people that I was like, you're crazy for, for telling me to reach. And I was terrified. And for somebody to listen to this, like, you know, you're not an outcast. If you're listening to this and going, that doesn't sound that hard <laughs> yeah. because, and that's the thing. Like, that's what I mean when I say everyone experiences fear differently for me yeah. and for any outcast who's listening, that would feel so vulnerable and so terrifying that you'd be like, I'm never going to be able to do that. But for other people, you're like, yeah, what's the big deal? Who cares if they say no, it's no, like no big whoop. And so I did it and it was amazing. And, um, 
I got rejected like 17 times, which wow. was not amazing, but it also was not like the worst thing in the world because I was expecting to get rejected. And yeah. actually what ended up happening is three people said yes. And so that was awesome. really amazing. Yeah. And, but what it did is it really did, it like built up my immunity. It reminded me yeah. of, um, the princess bride. Have you ever watched that movie oh, where yeah. there's like the inconceivable guy and yeah. they're have the iocane powder and he talks about how he had built up his immunity to it. That's exactly how fear works too. If you can do the little things that are specifically geared towards pushing past that specific fear, that's yeah. where you can really start to overcome it. Yeah. And in the time since it's been amazing. I mean, this is, I'm launching my sixth book here and I've never before asked for help from anyone in launching, in launching a book. Like I've never like reached out to friends or anybody to say like, Hey, I'm launching this book. Would you help promote it or whatever? But that's not true. One time I did for my first book, my publisher said, uh, my publisher said, we want somebody to write the forward. You need to ask somebody to write the forward. And so I, they had a, a friend, somebody they knew was my friend in mind. And they said, would you, would you ask this person? And I was like, I don't know. Cause that's like really out of my comfort zone. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you guys are really good friends. I'm sure they'll, I'll, I'm sure they'll be happy to help you. And I did. And that person said no. And I was oh. devastated. I mean, I can't even tell you how I think that's harder. Completely. I think when they're closer, it's harder. Oh yeah. yeah. It was, it was like, I, I bawled and bawled and bawled and bawled and bawled. Like I could, it was, I felt like my world had ended when that person oh. said no. And then I was like, nope, never again. I'm never going to ask anyone for ever, for anything ever again. And that has really like, that stuck with me. That was in 2013 or 2014. And so for many years and now for this so, book. Wait, hold on. Yeah. Six books <laughs> since 2014. <laughs> yeah. Holy moly. 2013. Okay. Oh, okay. 2013. <laughs> but oh my word. And you did two years of research for this. Like, oh my goodness. Okay, go on. <laughs> Remember, I'm a three. I, I know. I know. I should. I, I know. I see, it. that's when, when people like talk to me for a little while and they're like, yeah, I can totally see how you're a three. Yes. Um, and I'm so, <laughs> I want to see like the crossover mashup of like the, the archetypes with the Enneagram types. And like, are you, do you lean more to one type based on your Enneagram? Okay. Anyway. See, and I'm not an Enneagram like, um, expert at all. I know I'm a three because I have so many friends from Nashville who are like, what are you? What are you? Because, and they're, I feel like they're the only ones who ever asked me what I, what my Enneagram is, but that's, that's why I asked if you were from Nashville. So that's funny. I wish I was in Nashville, <laughs> but I'm not currently. Well, you know, you talk about the Enneagram enough and then it is there almost you like you are. So. <laughs> But anyways, with this, with this book, I've actually been ever since, ever since my friends completely called me out on it, I've been way more conscious because it really did cure me. And I have done such a better job this time of reaching out mm. to people. And I have been overwhelmed with the response of how like excited and supportive and just willing to help people are. And it's really made me realize like, maybe I am making this too hard for myself. Maybe I don't need to be like in my little bubble, refusing to ask anyone for anything ever. And, um, it's been a good learning experience. So I would say in cultivating the lovely, um, I've, I've always been one of those people who has really 
deep friendships. I don't, I, you know, like if you're my people, you are my people and you are my people for life. I am loyal to a fault and will be there for you no matter what. But I've like also had trust issues of letting other people in or asking, Mm -hmm. like expanding that circle. And so, um, it's just been, I think I've like experienced in the last year, just a richness in allowing more people into my circle. That makes awesome. sense. Oh, that's oh, a long it makes answer. More sense than you could possibly understand. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, yep, yep, totally, totally get all of that. I mean, it's it's been, and it, this kind of leads into the next question that I wanted to talk to you about is how fear impacts our relationships, especially with other women. And I think I have so done that too. Like all my life, there's this certain amount of, you know. Oh, I, I I can't be too, if I'm too much myself, like at at some point I want to be myself, but they're going to get sick of me and they're going to move on. Like I have all these sweet little friends and then I'm the spicy one and there's just going to be only so much spice that they can take and then they're going to be done and they're going to move on and I'm going to be left alone, you know, trying to find somebody again. And it's really only been in my thirties. I feel like that I have solidified friendships that I've even had for a decade, but now is the time when some of those friends have sat me down and been like, look, we are going to be friends until we're old ladies and I'm not going to reject you and I'm always going to be here and you just have to like come to grips with that to finally kind of get past that in relationships and be like, okay, I'm not just going to sit here living in the fear of it ending all the time because that takes away from me being able to enjoy the friendship. But I also have that on the other side, like that asking for help. I I always like in anything I put out there, I'm like, could you do this? But don't feel bad if you can't. It's totally okay. Like don't worry (laughs) about it. And I'm I'm not upset. And I just, but if you could, that'd be great. But if not, don't worry. Yeah. 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 You don't want to, you don't want to put yourself out there and have to rely on anybody else. Yeah. Totally get that. Totally get that. Have you noticed it in, in, in any other aspects, like those fears affecting your friendships or your relationships in general? You know, what I, what I have really realized in, in doing this work and over the, just over the past two years, diving into these different fear archetypes and even what I have found from people who have now read the book or have, are, have been learning about the fear archetypes or learning, discovering them for themselves. Like when you read through them, you not only start to recognize the traits in yourself, you start mm-hmm. to recognize the traits in other people and yeah. can go, oh my gosh, I know somebody who is such a rule follower. I know somebody who's such a people pleaser. I know somebody who is such a um, self-doubter. And yeah. what it, what I think that it does and the benefit of that is not to label all your friends like yeah. some jerk. But to actually understand, like to understand them better and to have yeah. way more empathy yes. for where people are coming from. Because for instance, the self-doubter is one that um, really struggles. The underlying fear there is just a fear of not being enough or a fear of not being capable. And so the way that usually manifests for the self-doubter is hypercriticism, not only in them, not only of themselves, which is totally there, but a lot of times the way that it comes out on the outside is being hypercritical of other people. So we can probably all think of somebody who's just incredibly hypercritical, like always picking, nitpicking. And, uh, and when you can start to realize that that is coming from this place of fear and deep insecurity, yeah. that that's what the, what, because that's what the self-doubter struggles with most is just this like 
overwhelming, crushing feeling of not being good enough. Mm -hmm. Um, that it gives you way more, way more. Yeah. I definitely have a few of those people in my life. And when I can, when I can see that I can go from being annoyed or feeling like they're just picking at me all the time to then yeah. realizing yeah. it's not me. It's, it's, it's their own self-doubt. And that is, is coming into play and affecting them so much. Now that doesn't mean if you are the self-doubter that you should try to do something about yeah. it. Definitely yeah. should, but it does allow me to kind of not take it so personally. Yeah. It allows you to have more grace with that person. I think especially when you realize like we're talking about fear here, these are things that people feel very deeply and are, you know, can be very controlling to your life. And so if you can recognize those things in other people it just is able to give you more grace and, and like you said, kind of like not take things as personally. I know even like, again, bringing up the Enneagram, it's <laughs> not supposed to be an Enneagram episode, but I think <laughs> it all relates. I typing my family because when I left, I lived with my family for a year and a half. We've only been out on our own now for three weeks. Mm. And, um, so like typing my parents and my brother and like, it was so enlightening to help me and like, okay, I'm living with my parents again. And you know, like that can be very hard, especially when you're now a grown adult and you've run your own household for, you know, yes. years and you know, that can be very hard. So being able to understand them from this adult perspective, because I mean, I got married when I was 19. I didn't ever have like a, a relationship with them as an adult, you know, like really. And so it was so good for me to eventually be able to pinpoint like, oh, like mom's just sixing right now. <laughs> She's just got to get her all her six out. And then I <laughs> just need to like not take it personally and not fall in the six hole with her. And then she'll pick herself back up and we'll be okay. And I just can't like get myself. I'm not a six, so I don't have to feel all the six things she's feeling, you know? <laughs> when she wants me to feel yeah. that it's okay. And it's that same way with the fear, like, oh, like I don't, I don't have to feel that same fear that that person is feeling, but I can validate and I can recognize that that is what they're going through and then be able to have grace for them in it, but not be as affected myself. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly how it works. And it's really, and it's really, really powerful because it also allows you to, on the one hand, have empathy for yourself and understand like, where like why you've done the things that you've done but then to like not say stay stuck in that place hopefully yeah. but then actually move forward and and find a find a different way yeah oh i love that that's really good you guys plan to eat is back again sponsoring this show this week because what we eat matters and having the time to make it for our families and plan it easily is super important to our lives You've heard me talk about Plan to Eat before because I absolutely love them and I have honest to goodness used them for five years before they ever even started sponsoring me because I love Plan to Eat. It was created by a family. The dad, Clint, was a developer who saw a need for his wife to be able to plan meals more easily and he created a program online that works 
seamlessly. It's so beautiful, you guys. Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family already uses and loves and fit your dietary preferences and needs. You create a meal plan by really easily dragging and dropping the recipes onto your schedule. You can create notes that will automatically tell you the day before if things need to get done. And most brilliantly of all, it has a shopping list that actually automatically divides to where you normally buy the things. It's brilliant, you guys. You've just got to try it to be able to see just how amazing it is. I've already planned all of our meals through the middle of June because it makes it so easy to do it with the plan to eat system. In fact, this week in Patreon, our weekly challenge is meal planning because I really love the plan to eat program. I've suggested that all of us in the Patreon group be on plan to eat together because we can friend each other and share our recipes and our menus so other people can get ideas and be able to really help each other out with the meal planning thing, which brings a whole nother level of community to it. I'm telling you guys. There's nothing like it. It's so good. And you guys, they have a brilliant app for your phone. I don't even print off my shopping list anymore. I have it right on my phone, divided by store. I'm really easily able to cross things off and be able to see exactly what I have left to get at the store, move it between stores if I don't find it at a certain store. You guys, you've got to try it out. And they only have one sale a year. So instead of doing a sale for us, they're actually offering us a 60-day free trial instead of their normal 30-day free trial. Did I mention their subscription service? So you can pay $4.95 a month or $39 a year, which is only 75 cents a week. But hey, you can get these two months for completely free. All you have to do is go to plantoeat.com slash lovely to start your 60-day free trial. Again, that's plantoeat.com slash lovely, and you can get 60 days free instead of the normal 30. I can't wait to hear what you think. All this research and all of this everything, you also started a podcast based on it. I did. One of my favorite things to talk about being a podcaster. So how long have you been at the podcast? Um, I started the podcast just a little over a year ago in April of 2018. Yeah. So uh, a little over a year. It's been, oh my gosh, I have been wanting to start a podcast since Oh gosh, 2014, maybe I think since 2014, I went to a conference and somebody was talking about it and I was like, Oh my gosh, this sounds amazing. And then it just, I mean, as you, as we talked about, I do a lot of things and I would bring it up like every year and in my, in our little team planning meeting. And like, this is the year I want to start a podcast. And my team would be like, no, we're not, (laughs) we're not doing that. That's not not threes. It's just, (laughs) yeah, we don't, that's too much. We're not, we can't do it. There's no. And finally last year I was like, that's it. I'm doing this podcast. I gotta, I, I'm just, I've got to do it. And I love it so much. I um, if I would have known how much I would would have loved it, I, I'm I like I could kick myself for not starting it sooner. <laughs> the ability, to, the ability to first of all like connect with people and have conversations yeah. like this, yeah, I love. But I don't do all interviews every week. I yeah. do like I alternate interviews and standalone episodes. Although for the summer, I'm going to do all interviews. We're going to do a summer summer of summer of courage stories. Oh, fun um, this summer, but. Um, yeah, I just love like so I love that part. I love the connections that it's allowed me to make and just being, you know, when you have something of value to offer, which is hey, you want to be on my podcast, then you have like as an outcast that makes it easier for me to approach people and say, yeah, like, instead of feeling like I'm asking for something, I'm giving something. Yes. And that <laughs> yes. a lot easier. And uh, but but I also just 
I've never, you know, I've been, I've been doing this. I've been blogging since 2010 and I felt, felt like I had a pretty engaged audience before this, but I've never seen the level of engagement and transformation mm -hmm. that has happened since starting the podcast where people on a daily basis, I get emails and instant messages from people who are like this, this podcast has changed my life. I am making changes that I never thought I would be able to make. I'm doing things I'd never thought I'd be able to do. I mean, it's, it's insane. And that That's just awesome. gets me so pumped up and I, I really do love it so much. Yeah, it's it, there is definitely something to the engagement. I think when people can actually hear you say what you're saying, it just takes on a new life form. It, oh, for sure. People just connect to it in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, and it's longer and yeah, yeah. You, know, you get to actually flesh out ideas rather than making it feel like sound bites or not juicy enough or yeah. not it's not there. Like I, it's funny cause I've been, you know, I've got a book coming out. So I've done a lot of podcast interviews over the last, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. And then I was, I had to um, go to Tampa today to be on daytime, which is a, it's a nationally syndicated show. So I drove up there this morning and was waited in this, in the green room for like two hours to finally do my five minute segment. <laughs> And I was like, I felt like I didn't need to talk about anything. I'm yeah. like, what is, what is this about? And, and I would so much rather do podcast interviews yeah. where you get to like have, like get, get meaty, get real yeah. and dig in and have the conversation than to do something, you know, a, a TV segment that's just so surfacey. Yeah. And that's one of the things I love about it too, because, you know, you'll get some people that push a little more and they're like, well, we need, you know, the outline, we need talking points. I'm like, I know I want to have a conversation and <laughs> then we're not having a conversation. I'm yeah. getting a list of like points that you've prepared. And so I, and I find like it works, it works. Like every time I sit down with somebody, we just get to chat. And yes. I love that part of it. Of like, you, you feel like you get to know somebody better when it's not just based on like all the talking points that they're. Oh, they're so true. For. Yeah. Oh, I know. And I've been on, on podcasts too, that I've, that, where they were, they gave me the list of questions ahead of time and it was just boom, 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 boom. And I felt like a commodity yeah. where I'm like, you're not even listening to the answers. You're just going on to the next question. And I don't know who listens to those kind of podcasts, yeah. honestly, because yeah. and maybe some people do, maybe yeah. people like it to be more matter of fact, but I, I feel like the power of a podcast is in the conversation. It's in the engagement. Yeah listening and going, Oh, well, what about this? Have you thought about this? Like, I love the yeah. fact that I've done, gosh, I don't even know how many podcast interviews for this book. And I've told my team too. I'm like, we got to get transcripts of all of these because every single one has been completely different. That's We've talked so about different things. Like, like there's so much content in there. Like I want to yeah. have a way to capture some of the things yeah. that I've said, cause I've never said them before. And I probably will never say them again. Cause I don't even remember what it was. Yeah. But that is so yeah. fun though. Well, and I think that's part of the fun of listening to podcasts is I know that when I listen to podcasts, I like to feel like I'm getting to be privy to a conversation I would never otherwise get to be privy to. Yes. And if it was just a, a list of questions that somebody was answering and be like, okay, well, I can, I can read the back of their book and get the same information. You know, like yes. I wanted the juicy details. I want to feel like I'm the fly on the wall yes. when they're having coffee and so, so true. That's what, that's what I want this to feel like. I like I want my listeners to feel like they get to have this conversation with you that they wouldn't normally get to. 
And I don't know if you feel this way about your podcast, but this is the thing that I have found, which I have found really, really interesting because, you know, as a podcaster, so you're, you're, always reaching out to people and yeah. like, I have like dream, a dream list of people I would love to yeah. talk to and interview and my favorite authors and, and different people. And that, you know, like I have had some, some of those people say yes. Mm-hmm. And some of those interviews have been good. Like, and some of them have been great, but some of them are not like as great. Yeah. And other ones that I've had where I like a lot of times I'll have some of my top students or people I have, mm-hmm. a, I, I have a mastermind, um, of, of women that I coach and I'm really close to them. Cause some of them have been in my mastermind now for three years and we've been, we've gotten really close and they come on and because I know them so well and they know yeah. me so well, it's such a more intimate conversation. And what I yeah. have discovered for listeners is that yes. those are the episodes. It's not, they're not into the big names as yeah. much as the ones that are just feel like they're getting the real conversation. Yep. So it's really cool. It's really, that was a, that was super eye opening to me to realize it doesn't, not every episode needs to be like some big, big, huge celebrity yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Be valuable yep. actually. And it's that's so true. It's so interesting to hear that from you too. I'm sure having, you know, the audience that you have is, you know, so huge and everything to hear that same kind of phenomena because, you know, I have a mastermind group and we all kind of say the same thing, but it does not matter whose name is in the title. I have friends who have zero following. They don't have a website. They don't have anything, but they're my good close friends and they've got so much wisdom to offer and they come on and we have these great conversations that we just have anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and those are my top downloaded episodes. It's Isn't so, that's so funny. Yeah. 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 So what do you look for in, when you look for a podcast guest? I'm just curious. Well, you know, it's interesting because the tables have definitely shifted and I get reached out to a lot more than I do the reaching out these days. Um, but I, I like for it to be something that one resonates with me personally, that I feel like I can bring something to the table and we can have an actual discussion about it. And it's not the exact same thing that seems to be coming out in like every other book. You know, I feel like I get probably 15 of the same exact pitch on very similar books to, you know, the five that I feel like are unique and stand out a little bit more. Yeah. And so I, I say no to a lot of things. I feel like this is the message we've kind of all heard before, but the things that I feel like, okay, that, that really resonates with me. Doing things scared is like it defined the past year and a half of my life. Um, yes, I want to have that person on. Yeah. There's certain people that have put books out that I've followed on my own for so long, like Lisa Leonard. Mm-hmm. I've followed her for years and years and years. And so when they approached me about her book, I was like, I don't even care what the book is about. Oh, <laughs> wasn't well, her book so good though? Oh, oh my gosh. Goodness. Lisa's one it of my amazing. dear, dear friends. I love her so much. It was yeah, so was good. good. It was, I mean, brave love, but brave writing. I mean, yes. holy cow. Oh, I know. Yeah. It was so good. It was so good. Yeah. So there's a certain amount of that where you just like, I know that I could have an authentic conversation with this person just because I would really love to chat with them. And so I think people would like to hear me love to chat with somebody else, you know? Yes. Yeah, Yeah. totally. What about you? What do you look for? Um, I really look for the story. Mm. So, and we like, same thing. We, we've started getting pitched a lot more for 
to have people on the podcast. And so I'm the first question I always ask on my podcast is like, let's share your story. And so I'm looking for somebody who has had some, you know, something where they've overcome something in their life, or there's some sort of, you know, just some sort of interesting thing there that then we can sort of talk, dive into and talk about, because I feel like for, you know, people connect to the story. They connect to the, the, like hearing, oh my gosh, this person might seem like they have it all together right now, but they've, they've, that's been hard fought. And and to me, that's really inspirational maybe because that's my story too. Um, so I definitely look for that. Um, I think that, and so we're, I'm pretty picky, especially because I only do like every other episode as an interview, um, that, and then there's people that I just, I, like hear them talking about their story or I've read their, read something that they've done. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I, I need to have this person on the podcast. So, because I have so many people, we, we say no to the pitches that we get. We probably say no to about 98%. Yeah. Like yeah. it's really, it's a really high percentage right now. We've not said yes to a lot, but yeah. I, I foresee that probably changing. Cause it is, you know, like it's, it's easier when people come to you, that's for sure. But I also am constantly thinking like, how are we going to, how is this? And it's not that like, and that's where like, as an outcast, I'm super sensitive to rejecting other people because I know how I have someone else do it. Yeah. I know how hard I take it when it's being rejected. But if like, if you're listening to this, like, no, like, first of all, if you're pitching somebody with a podcast, like the rejection might not have anything to do with you, but kind of with that where that, what you're pitching is fits yeah. into their narrative. And that's, yeah. I feel like that's, that's definitely true because I've had, I've said no to people who were even my friends yeah, um, or people that I knew pretty well, just because I was like, I don't feel like this is the best fit for what we're talking about right now. Yeah. And I got to say though, I, I had, I got a video pitch today. <laughs> And I've got one of those. It was the first time it's ever happened. And they had already emailed and I hadn't really responded, still mulling it over. And then I got this video pitch. And at first I was even like, "Mm, I don't know. But then they, they were pretty darn compelling. So my gosh, I wonder if it was the same. I wonder. I wonder. Because that is exactly what happened. I said no. And then they sent a video and it was like pretty compelling. And then then I, that was one of the rare ones I've said yes to. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It was interesting. I thought, well, if you can make it that compelling, then I guess maybe we could have something to talk about. Yeah. It was really true. I'm going to, I can't wait to get off of recording so I can find out who, who messaged (laughs) you. That's so funny. That's so funny. Uh, I don't know if I actually know her, know her name. I can look it up. Oh, well then I can tell you right now. It's not the same person. So, okay. Well, there you go. Yep. So, okay. Well, okay. We, this has already gone longer than I anticipated it to, but I've loved talking to you. It's been so interesting. Okay. So we got to crack through these questions. What does a typical day in your life look like? Typical day, you know, I don't, I don't, I feel like my life right now is not typical because I've been in yeah. book launch mode yes. for the last. Oh, I know. I always catch all of you guys <laughs> in book launch mode. It's like there is no typical day. Yeah, it's like right now my whole day is is interviews and and book launch stuff, and so it's not typical. But normally, um, I you know I get up early. I'm a super early riser. I usually get up at four every morning, wow. and I love getting up at four. And I, that's sort of my special time. And I have 
a little bit of time in the morning where I just sort of do my morning routine, self-reflection. I plan for my day. And then I try to get about 90 minutes of writing in Hmm. um, first thing in the morning. Sometimes it's only 60, but 60 to 90 minutes. And then I will try to do a little bit of exercise, even though I hate it. (laughs) I go to the gym three times a week. I work out with a trainer, which is the only way I can get myself to the gym is to pay somebody to be there to force me to do stuff. And then if I'm not going to the gym, then I'll try to go for a walk or a run. And then I help my kids get ready for school and um, head to my office. I actually have a building um, downtown in my little in my little town that I bought um, about two years ago. That's where our headquarters is. So I work from my office all day and you know, it depends on the day, but I, I have a team of 15 people now in my company. Yeah. So it's like a lot of my day during the day is more being the CEO, you know, making yeah. sure that everybody else is kind of doing the things that they need to do. Um, doing, doing the podcast, doing the, do, like we have a lot of different things going on. Yeah. I do a lot of live videos during the day or interviews and meetings. And, um, then I go home usually right around four thirty or five. And I love the fact that I have a, an office that's separate now because yeah. it, it helps me to really turn it off. Yeah. So when I go home, I'm home and I'm with my family. That's nice. And then I am also like on the weekends, it's, it's, I don't work on the weekends and that, that was not, that was, and I don't, I want to like clarify here and say, I don't have any judgment for anyone who is working in the margins. If that, if you're like in the, in the growth stage and trying to figure it out and trying to manage all sorts of different things, be if you're, you know, still a stay at home mom and, and trying to build a business at the same time, which I did, like my schedule did not look yeah. like that yeah. um, when I was getting started. But now it's at a point where I can, I, I need to have the separation and I just, I work, I basically work like a typical nine to five job during the week. And then I go home on the weekends and that's, that's sort of how it looks. That's awesome. So what is just some small way you are currently cultivating loveliness in your life? Oh, that's such a good question. So, you know, the funny thing is that like at the beginning of this quarter, I realized that I really had only two priorities and one was getting this book out to the world, which is a huge deal. But my yeah. other, my other thing that I needed to focus on was just pouring into my marriage and my husband, because mm. what I realized is that for me, a lot of times I'm so driven because I'm a three, yeah. um, I'm so driven and so focused on like, oh my gosh, and that it's really easy to just like tell my husband you know what you got to just be understanding. Like he's a stay at home dad. He's the one who like takes care of the family and he does an amazing job of that. But it's easy for me to neglect him in a season of craziness like this. And so I've just really focused on being way more intentional um, in this busy season about going on date nights and having lots of sex and, and, you know, just doing those things that like that I know he needs, like taking the time in the morning to have a cup of coffee with him, even when I feel like I don't have time for this right now. Um, because those that fills him up. And like, I honestly can say even in the midst of this crazy season, like we've it's, which normally would be, I've launched, this is my sixth book. Like we've never had a book launch that wasn't crazy and that he wasn't totally annoyed with me. He Mm -hmm. did not want me to, he was pissed off when I (laughs) said I was writing another book because he knows what it's like. And, um, it's been, it's been amazing for the two of us. So that's been, that's been like my, my big win. And you know what that trickles down to. So 
it really trickles down into everything else. That's awesome. Well, I have a really much more silly thing that I'm doing to cultivate loveliness in my life right now. (laughs) And basically like we just moved, you know, three weeks ago. And so we're just really trying to get settled. I've been doing a lot of organizing, a lot of like purging and just trying to like really get our house set up well. But one of the things I wanted to do was have plants in our house because I've never had plants and all my friends are like, you've got to get plants. And so I said like, okay, I had my birthday also in the middle of all of this. And so I told my friends like, just get me a plant you, but you have to figure out like what plant would actually work. And like, I could keep alive and like, I have no, no skill set (laughs) for plants at all. And so they bought me a fern. I've named him Vern. He's the new man of my life. (laughs) He stays right where I put him. He's fairly well maintenance. He doesn't talk back. He's great. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. So, but I have to figure out how to keep him alive because I'm I'm still not exactly my friend who was taking care of him until she turned him over. She's like, We want to go out to dinner with you guys, but (laughs) we just we haven't found a time and I can't keep your fern any longer. So take this. Oh my gosh, that is I'm still I'm still learning how to work with Vern, but I find that very brave. Like that would be a do it scared moment for me (laughs) because I have discovered the beauty of Target's um fake Yeah. Which my children make fun of me because every time we go to Target, I buy more fake succulents. That's and those funny. are my, those are my plants. And, um, I've got some of those too. Don't they are, wrong. they don't like nothing. You don't have to take care of them. They're totally low maintenance and yeah. I am such a brown thumb. So that's very brave. So way to do it scared. Thank you. We'll see. I've <laughs> only had, I've only had them for three days. So <laughs> we'll see how well, it goes. We'll so far, <laughs> Vernon, and I have a great relationship. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, let's do my sock questions really quickly. Do you prefer candles or an essential oil diffuser? Diffuser. All right. Cloth napkins or paper? Cloth. City or country? City. Paper or digital? Paper. Okay. Shopping, would you rather do it online or in the store? Online. Every time. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Whatever time you're making dinner and you need a mental break, do you listen to a podcast or music? Music. And what kind of music would you listen to? Um, either 90s alternative oh, rock, nice. <laughs> cranked up all the way, um, or the Greatest Showman soundtrack, yes. cranked up all the way. <laughs> oh, I fully support both of those decisions. That's fabulous. Okay. Chocolate, milk, or dark? Oh, oh. see, I've been doing keto Ooh. for like eight months, so I've been... I've been eating mostly dark if I eat chocolate at all. So yeah. it's dark, but okay. I probably prefer milk if I had my choice. Okay. <laughs> sports or no sports? No sports. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm there with you. All right. Live broadcasting. Would you rather broadcast or watch? Broadcast. Okay. What is your favorite movie? Uh, all three Pitch Perfect movies. Oh, Okay. Those are my go-to and bad moms. I really like that one too. That's so funny. Okay. Um, I, those are answers we have not gotten before. I love it. (laughs) That's so fun. Those are my, I have them on, I've bought them all, all four of those ones on Amazon prime, you know? And so if I'm traveling and I'm in a hotel room. Always got them with you. 
I've always got them with me. Like those are my go-to because it's like comfort. It's like yes. my security blanket movies. <laughs> I get that. I totally get that. Okay. Last question. If you were to put yourself on the crunchy spectrum, zero is totally not crunchy. And 10 is like singing Kumbaya by the fire with your legs unshaven and dreadlocks in your hair. Where are you on the spectrum? Um, I, I think I'd probably be like a five maybe. Okay. Like I'm crunchy in some ways, like we're moving to a, the first ever solar powered community in the United States, which I guess is, that's like, feels like off the spectrum crunchy, but like in a lot of other areas, I'm not crunchy at all. So uh, I'm, I don't know. Like I, I think they kind of balance each other out. Like I'm a huge recycler, but I'm also like to shop and (laughs) I, like I, I am a girly girl and I do my hair and nails and all those things. So I don't know, somewhere in the middle. I like it. That's a great (laughs) answer. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Ruth. It was a joy to get to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. Yeah. Best of luck with the launch of your new book. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, ladies, if you are ready to start facing some of your fears and tackling things in your life, I really encourage you to get Ruth's book and you can find it for pre-order. If you go to boldturquoise.com slash 116, that's where you're going to be able to find links to all of our show notes and find everything that you need and get the link to the book. Ruth also wanted me to mention that during the pre-order period, which we are still in, if you're ordering before May 21st, that you can actually get that premium test that she was talking about in the episode where you can really break down your fears and see what your percentage is and all of that, you can get that completely free if you pre-order her book right now. So get on over there, head to boldturquoise.com slash 116 and find all the links to be able to pre-order the book and get that test. All right, ladies, I think that's it for today. Be sure to come over and join us in Patreon. We have our meal planning challenge going on this week, patreon.com slash cultivating the lovely. Thanks for leaving those ratings and reviews in iTunes. And until next week, go be bold and gracious. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply.